بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وبعد Last week we spoke about the boycott that the Quraysh organized against the Prophet وسلم, and his family and the tribes that were protecting him and we spoke about how that boycott lasted for three years and then alhamdulillah after three years some of the members of the Quraysh even though they weren't Muslims they had some sense of honor and they realized that what was happening was not right and alhamdulillah through their efforts an end was put to this boycott so the Muslims were allowed to return back to Mecca and they resumed social interactions with the other groups of the Quraysh and they resumed business with the other tribes as usual but that didn't mean that the difficulties were over for the Prophet or for the Muslims in general shortly after that boycott ended the boycott ended in the ninth year of the prophethood of the Prophet the next year the tenth year of the prophethood was a very difficult year for the Prophet in that year he lost his uncle Abu Talib and Abu Talib had protected him since the beginning of his prophethood up to his death so for 10 years the Prophet was under the protection of his uncle Abu Talib because Abu Talib was a person who had a very high position a very high status in the Quraysh and if someone was under his protection that person could not be harmed so the Prophet ﷺ had this protection. But in the 10th year of the prophethood, Abu Talib died. So this was a very difficult time for the Prophet ﷺ. First of all, he loved his uncle dearly. His uncle was actually like a father to him. He considered his uncle like a father and his uncle considered his nephew like a son. The relationship was very close. So it was very, very difficult for the Prophet ﷺ that his uncle passed away, not only because he lost that protection, but what made it even more difficult was the fact that Abu Talib passed away without accepting Islam. And this was very, very painful to the Prophet ﷺ, extremely painful for him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah regarding this, Surely you cannot guide whom you love. Rather, Allah guides whom He wills. So guidance is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So the Prophet couldn't even give Islam to the person who was closest to him, to the man who was closest to him, his uncle Abu Talib. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not right guidance for him so this is a very important principle for us to understand as well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has control of the hearts and no one can be guided or misguided except by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala man yahdillahu fahuwa al-muhtadi wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyam murshida whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides this person is guided and whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to go astray, then you will not find any friend who can guide this person.
Even the Prophet Muhammad himself could not guide a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose not to guide. So this was very difficult for the Prophet but he accepted it as the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can complain about the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet accepted it and he knew that this was the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nonetheless, it was very difficult for him and it was very painful for him. Shortly after the death of Abu Talib, some of the historians say as early as three days later after the death of Abu Talib, and some historians say a month later after the death of Abu Talib, the Prophet also lost his beloved wife and supporter and companion Khadija bint Khuwailid his wife of 25 years who supported him from the beginning of his mission with her moral support and with financial support. And she was the mother of his children as well. So he lost her during the 10th year of prophethood as well. So you can see how it was a very difficult year for the Prophet The Quraysh are not accepting his call, they're not believing in him. Now he lost his uncle Abu Talib, he also lost his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. The number of Muslims at this time, it's about only 150 Muslims. 10 years of da'wah, 10 years since the beginning of prophethood, 10 years since Jibreel alayhi salam came to the mount of Hira, to the cave of Hira and, and conveyed the first revelation, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, 10 years have passed and only 150 people have accepted the call of the Prophet Muhammad and 80 of these 150 are in Habasha in Abyssinia modern-day Ethiopia and 70 of them are in Mecca so of course this is something that the Prophet is sad about that that the Quraysh have not been receptive to his call so he decided to give da'wah elsewhere. He thought, okay, if the Quraysh are not listening to this call, the Quraysh are not heeding this da'wah, perhaps if I give da'wah to another tribe, I go to another city and I speak to them, maybe they will be more receptive and maybe through them the da'wah can flourish. So he decided to make a trip to the city of At-Ta'if. And At-Ta'if is a city that is not very far away from Mecca and it is in a mountainous region. At-Ta'if is in a mountainous area and because it's in the mountains, the temperature or the weather in Ta'if, especially during the summer, it's much more pleasant than the weather in Mecca. So the rich people of Mecca, they would live in Mecca during most of the year but in the summertime, they would go up to Ta'if because it was much cooler there. That was the practice of the rich people of Mecca even in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and it continues to be the practice of the families of Mecca even now. Many of the big families of Mecca, they live in Mecca, but in the summertime, they have their summer homes in Ta'if and they go to Ta'if during the summer. So this was the practice of the Arabs from old times and this practice continues today. So the Prophet ﷺ decided to make a journey to this city 
from Mecca to Al-Ta'if. And he went on foot. And Ta'if, as we said, it's in the mountains. So the way from Mecca to Al-Ta'if, it's, it's very mountainous. Even if you drive there, and I've made this drive myself from Mecca to Al-Ta'if, I have driven there, and it's really a windy mountainous road. It's difficult even to drive to Al-Ta'if. So imagine walking all the way to Al-Ta'if. But the Prophet ﷺ had his mission in his mind and he had his intention to convey the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to these people in hope that they would accept the call to Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ started his journey. He left Mecca and he headed towards At-Ta'if. When he reached the outskirts of Ta'if or the entrance of At-Ta'if, he came across three brothers and these three brothers these three brothers were from an important family of the people of At-Ta'if they were the three brothers Abd Mas'ud and Habib so these these three brothers were the sons of a man named Amr ibn Yalayl so they were from an important family of At-Ta'if so these were the first people that the Prophet ﷺ encountered when he was at the entrance of At-Ta'if. So he decided to speak to them first. So when he saw them, he asked for permission to sit with them and to talk. And they said, yes, please. So he sat with them. He introduced himself. He introduced himself with his name and the tribe that he was from. He told them that he was from the Quraysh. And of course, these people, they knew the Quraysh. Quraysh is a very famous tribe in Mecca. They're a very honorable tribe. So they said, Ya Ahlan wa Sahlan, Ya Marhaba. They welcomed him. And they said, yes, we're happy to host you. And the Prophet ﷺ said, thank you. And he started to speak to them. But when he started to speak to them, he started to speak about Islam. And this was something that they weren't expecting. He spoke about Tawheed. He spoke about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That He is the only one worthy of worship. And there is no one that should be worshipped besides Him. And He talked about the falsehood of worshipping idols. The falsehood of the worship of Allah and Al-Uzza and Manat and Hubal and the other idols. He said all of this idol worship, this is something that brings no benefit and that these idols are just stones that can bring a person no good or no bad and that worshipping these things is falsehood so he spoke to them about Tawheed and he spoke to them about Islam and they were surprised they didn't expect that this was what the conversation was going to be about so they became angry when they heard him speaking like this they became angry and one of them said to him Wallahi la umin bik he said, I will never believe in you until the covering and the curtains of the Kaaba are ripped apart. And another one of them said, Wallahi la abada. He said, I will never speak to you. After you come with this type of speech, I don't want to even speak to you. What is this that you have come with? And the third brother said, If you are truly a prophet, as you claim, then I will not speak to you because it's too dangerous to speak to you. And if you are not a prophet, then still I will not speak to you because why should I speak to a false prophet? So he said, either way, whether you're a prophet or not, I'm not going to speak to you. 
So this was the reaction that these three brothers had to the initial da'wah of the Prophet Muhammad But he didn't get disheartened by this. He decided to go into the city and try to give da'wah to the common people who lived in the city. But these three brothers, Abd and Mas'ud and Habib, the sons of Amr ibn Yalayl, they went into the city themselves and they gave the people a heads up. They said, a man is coming from Mecca and he has already made a lot of problems and difficulties for the people in Mecca. Now he's trying to come to Taif to make the same type of difficulties for you. So don't listen to what he has to say. So the three brothers came into the city and basically told them not to listen to what the man from Mecca is going to tell you. So they were ready when the Prophet Muhammad came and he tried to speak to them and he tried to give da'wah. Their minds were already poisoned by these three brothers. So they didn't even want to hear whatever he had to say. So they started to throw stones at the Prophet Muhammad Kids and elders, they all came out throwing stones, pelting the Prophet Muhammad with these stones to such the extent that he started bleeding and his legs were bleeding and his feet were bleeding and he bled to such an extent that his shoes stuck to his feet. The blood was so much that it caused his shoes to stick to his feet. Subhanallah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the difficulty, this is the pain that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to go through trying to spread the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the people. This is the hardship that he had to go through. These are the difficulties that he had to face, subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him the best of rewards for the efforts that he made for this ummah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this was the reaction of the people of At-Ta'if. A shameful reaction from these people. And this is not the first betrayal of the people of At-Ta'if. Alhamdulillah, now the people of At-Ta'if today, they're Muslims and they're very honorable people. They're good people, alhamdulillah. And this was actually from the dua of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam that he made for these people. And we'll get into that in a bit, inshallah. But at that time, what the people of At-Ta'if did to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam it was a shameful thing. And it's not the first time that they did something shameful. If you guys remember from one of our earlier lessons, we talked about when Abraha came to destroy the Kaaba. When he came from Yemen, he passed through At-Ta'if and he asked for someone to guide him to Mecca. He needed a local guide to take him to Mecca, to the Kaaba. And a man from At-Ta'if, from the city of At-Ta'if, he volunteered himself to take Abraha to Mecca to destroy the Kaaba. He volunteered to be the guide of Abraha to Mecca. And this was a man from At-Ta'if and he is known as Abu Rughal. So what he did was a betrayal. And what the, the people of At-Ta'if did to the Prophet Muhammad by throwing stones at him until he bled to such an extent, it was their second betrayal. But Alhamdulillah, out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today, Alhamdulillah, the people of At-Ta'if, they are from the most generous and kind and the kindest of the Muslims. Alhamdulillah. And I personally know many people from At-Ta'if. I have many friends from At-Ta'if. And Alhamdulillah, they're great people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless them and keep them upon 
Islam. So this was the reaction that the people of At-Taif showed to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he decided to leave and go back towards Mecca. As he left Taif, on his way back to Mecca, he stopped in a garden. He stopped in a garden. And that garden was owned by two of the VIPs of the Quraysh. And these two people from the Quraysh, they were from the people who used to harm the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca. They had this garden by Taif, near Taif. Because like we said, those VIPs of Mecca, they used to go back and forth from Mecca to Taif. So Utbah ibn Rabi'ah and Shayba ibn Rabi'ah, two brothers, they had this garden by Taif. And the Prophet ﷺ, as he was leaving Taif, he stopped in this garden to rest. And Utbah and Shayba, the sons of Rabi'ah, they happened to be there at that time. These, these two people were enemies of the Prophet ﷺ. But when they saw him, when he came into their garden to rest, and they saw him with blood, and they saw his situation, even they felt sympathy towards him. Even they had some rahmah in their hearts when they saw the situation that the Prophet ﷺ was in. Subhanallah. So instead of going out and trying to kick him out of their garden and telling him to leave, no. They had a slave, a young, a young man who was their slave. He was a Christian man and his name was Addas. So the two brothers, they told Addas, they said, go to him and take a plate of grapes for him. It was a garden, you know, it had fruits and stuff, so they had grapes. They said, take a plate. Take a plate of grapes to Muhammad and let him eat. So Addas said, okay. And he took this plate of grapes to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He sat down with him and he offered him the grapes. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam graciously accepted this kindness and he took a grape and before he put it in his mouth, he said, Bismillah. And Addas, this Christian slave, he was surprised. He said, this is something that the people of this land don't say. The people of this land, when they start to eat, they don't say Bismillah. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَمِنْ أَيِّ الْبِلَادِ أَنْتَ يَا Addas." The Prophet ﷺ started to strike up a conversation with this young man. He said, where are you from, O Addas? And Addas said, I am from Nainawa. I am from Nainawa. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Nainawa, Qaryatir Rajul al-Salih Yunus ibn Matta. He said, oh, you're from Nainawa. That is the town of the pious man Yunus ibn Matta, the Prophet Yunus He was from the town of Nainawa. Nainawa is a town that is in modern day uh, Iraq, in the northern part of Iraq. And that is where Yunus was from. So Addas was surprised and he said, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ مَا يُونُسِ بِنْ مَتَّةِ How do you know about Yunus ibn Matta? Remember, Addas was a Christian, so he knew about the prophets, right? But he was surprised that Muhammad knew the name of Yunus ibn Matta and he knew that he was from the town of Nainawa. He was surprised. He said, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ مَا يُونُسِ بِنْ مَتَّةِ How do you know about Yunus ibn Matta? And the Prophet said, ذَاكَ أَخِي كَانَ نَبِيًّا وَأَنَا نَبِي 
He said, that's my brother. Yunus ibn Matta is my brother. He was a prophet and I am a prophet. Then Adas, he was so amazed at this. He got up and he started to kiss the head of the Prophet Muhammad and he started to kiss his hands and he started to kiss his feet out of respect for the Prophet Now Utbah and Shayba, they're watching this whole thing. And they look at each other and they say, look, within just a few minutes, he corrupted the slave. That slave was just sitting with him for a few minutes and he already corrupted him. So they were very upset about this actually. So when Adas went back to Shayba and Utbah, the sons of Rabi'ah, they were upset at him. They said, what are you doing? Why are you showing respect to that man like this? Why did you kiss him? And then Adas said, Wallahi, there is nothing on this earth that is better than that man. There is nothing on this earth that is better than that man. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So, even though he went to a ta'if and nobody there accepted his call and he went through so much difficulties and they stoned him and they caused him to bleed, Alhamdulillah, this one man at least accepted the call. Adas. He accepted the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So his trip was fruitful after all. It was a success, alhamdulillah. Even if one person is guided, that counts as a success, alhamdulillah. Also during the return of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam on his way back from At-Ta'if to Mecca, after all of the difficulties and the hardship that he had to face after he bled because of the harm that these people showed him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw what happened, of course. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jibreel alayhi salam with the angel that is in control of the mountains. The angel that controls the mountains. And Jibreel alayhi salam said to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this is the angel of the mountains and he will do what you want him to do. He is at your service. So then the angel of the mountains, he said to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if you wish, if you wish, I will crush that whole town. I will crush all of them between the two mountains. I will crush At-Ta'if, destroy all of them because of what they did to you. These people who caused you so much harm, these people who threw stones at you, these people who caused you to bleed. If you want me to do it, just tell me, I will crush them between these two mountains. And then the Prophet said, No, no, no. I will be patient with them. Perhaps, even if they don't accept the call, even if they don't accept Islam, perhaps from their children or their grandchildren or their descendants, perhaps there will be people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and associate no one with him. This was the rahmah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Even though they physically harmed him to such an extent, he was patient. He was patient and he hoped that there would come people from the descendants of them who would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And alhamdulillah, this is exactly what happened. 
Like I mentioned, the people of Al-Ta'if today, Alhamdulillah, they are from the kindest and the most generous of the Muslims. Alhamdulillah. The Prophet ﷺ made a beautiful dua regarding what happened to him in Al-Ta'if. And he submitted himself with humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at, look at the difficulty that the Prophet ﷺ is facing at this time in his life. His people in Mecca from his hometown, they are harming him and they're rejecting him and they don't want to have anything to do with him. His uncle has just passed away who gave him so much support. His wife has just passed away. He goes to another town and tries to give da'wah to them. They don't want to listen to what he has to say. Look at the difficulties that the Prophet ﷺ is facing in his life. Personal difficulties and difficulties in the da'wah as well. So he submitted himself beautifully and with humility submitted himself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a beautiful dua that you must have heard in the past before a very famous dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he said Allahumma ilayka ashku da'fa quwwati wa qillata heelati wa hawani ala al-nas Ya arhamar rahimeen anta rabbul mustadhafeen wa anta rabbi ila man takiluni ila ba'idin yatajahamuni am ila aduwim malaktahu amri إن لم يكن بك غضب علي فلا أبالي غير أن عافيتك هي أوسع لي أعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة أن يحل بي غضبك أو ينزل علي سخطك لك العتبة حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك Beautiful dua. The Prophet ﷺ submits to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in complete humility. And he says, Ya Allah, to you I complain about my weakness in front of the people. You are the most merciful of those who show mercy. You are the Lord of the weak ones and you are my Lord. Who have you sent me to, Ya Allah? to a person who is estranged, who doesn't want to listen to what I have to say, or to an enemy whom you have made stronger than me. But if you are not angry with me, as long as you are not angry with me, it doesn't matter. I'm okay. Even if I have to face all of these difficulties, all of these hardships, whatever they're doing to me, as long as you are not angry with me, Ya Allah, it's all right with me. I'm okay. But still, your afiyah, your security and your safety, still that is something that I hope for. And I seek refuge in you. I seek refuge in you, Ya Allah. I seek your protection, Ya Allah. I seek your protection from your anger. He's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to be angry at him and not to be displeased with him. And he is promising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will continue to do what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased. And he affirms that there is no power and there is no might except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. One of the most beautiful duas of the Prophet that shows his complete dependence upon his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beautiful.
This was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this was the relationship that he had with his Lord. Allahu Akbar. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam goes back returning to his home, returning to Mecca. But when he reaches the outskirts of Mecca, he realizes that the Quraysh have decreed, they have agreed that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will not be allowed to re-enter Mecca. His own city, they made a decision that they are not going to let him back in. Subhanallah. He is from that city. That is his right. That is his hometown. And he is from the Sadat of the Quraysh. He is from the leaders of the Quraysh. The Prophet Muhammad is from the family of Abdul Muttalib. Yet still, they colluded with each other to not allow him to enter back his own city. They refused to allow him to go back to his own home. Such to the extent that the Prophet ﷺ to get back into Mecca, he had to request protection from someone to escort him back into Mecca. So he asked some of the people of high position of the Quraysh. First he asked Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraiq. Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraiq was one of the people of high status of the Quraysh. So the Prophet ﷺ asked for his protection to come back into Mecca. And Al-Akhnas said, no, I'm not going to give you my protection. I'm with the Quraysh. Then the Prophet asked Suhail ibn Amr to give him protection to allow him to come back into Mecca. Suhail ibn Amr said, no, no way. I'm with Quraysh. Look at these people. Then the Prophet asked Mut'im ibn Adi. And we spoke about him last week. Do you remember Mut'im ibn Adi? He was one of the five members of the Quraysh who was responsible for ending the economic and social boycott. He wasn't a Muslim, he was from the Mushrikeen, but he had some honor in him. So when the Prophet asked Mut'im ibn Adi for protection to escort him back into Mecca, Mut'im said, yes, I will give you my protection. He realized that this was a very dishonorable thing that the Quraysh were doing. How could they stop one of their own from coming back into his own city? How could they do that? If the other tribes of the Arabs know that the Quraysh is doing this, it will destroy the reputation of the whole Quraysh. And Mut'im realized this and he had some honor with him. Even though he was from the Mushrikeen, he had that sense of honor. And he said, what they are doing to Muhammad wasallam, this is not right. He said, yes, I give you my protection. And Mut'im, he had six sons. He told all of those six sons, he said, get up and get your weapons ready. Carry your weapons with you. We are going out to get Muhammad wasallam, and we're going to bring him back into Mecca. So he wore his weapons and his six sons, they all took their weapons. They went out. They got the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and they escorted him back into Mecca. And the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, the first thing he did when he got into Mecca, he went to the haram to make tawaf. And these seven men, Mut'im ibn Adi and his six sons with weapons, they are following the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, making tawaf with him, making sure that nobody touches him. So the Quraysh, the rest of the Quraysh, they're surprised. What has happened here? So they asked Mut'im ibn Adi, Amujir am tabi' Are you just giving him protection or have you become one of his followers? Have you become a Muslim that you are, that you are following him? And then Mut'im said, Bal Mujir. He said, no, 
I have not accepted his religion, but I have given him my protection. So then the Quraysh, the other leaders of the Quraysh, they said, okay, good thing. Because if you, if you had become a Muslim, if you had become a follower of his, then we would have fought you. This was their response to him. So he was a man, even though he was not a Muslim, he had some honor in him. As we could see from the story last week of how he was one of the five members of the Quraysh who was responsible for ending the boycott. And now we see how he gave the Prophet Muhammad wasallam protection coming back into Mecca. Alhamdulillah, he had honor in him. So these were some of the incidents that took place during the 10th year of the Prophethood, which is known as Amul Huzn, the year of sadness or the year of sorrow. There were also some other amazing, amazing events that took place during this year. And perhaps because of the difficulty that the Prophet ﷺ faced in that year, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to console him. So some amazing things happened later on in the year as well. From those amazing things was the story of the Islam of the jinn, a group of jinns who became Muslims, alhamdulillah. Also the Islam of An-Najashi, the ruler of Habasha, the ruler of Abyssinia, where the Muslims had made hijrah. He became a Muslim, alhamdulillah. And also during the 10th year of prophethood, was the great event, one of the greatest events in the history of existence. And that was the Isra and the Mi'raj. A great blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah next week we will continue to talk about the incidents of the 10th year. Bi-ithnillah. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.